Well, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Every week we spend 45 minutes trying to figure out how to listen to this on headphones while we're recording it. Yeah. If anyone knows, please DM listen, us. Listen, listen. Help us. We need technical experts. This professional disaster is the No Small Parts <laughs> Podcast. My name's Matt. And I'm Bri. And this is the No Small Parts Podcast. This is the No Small Parts Podcast. A podcast that explores the forgotten... Ooh, the misunderstood, what? <laughs> and infamous, in a good way, musicals of Broadway. And we are doing our wet, hot American jukebox musical of summer. And we're drinking some rosé. Yeah. Summer vibes. Summer. Uh, speaking of summer vibes, uh-huh. we're talking about Jagged Little Pill. We are. The musical. And this is a quintessential summer memory for me. When I was a kid, I used to, like, it was, my uncle would, like, anchor his boat out in the lake, and I would go sit on the boat, like, away from everyone else, because I was an angst, I don't know what I was doing. I was just being, being myself. Yeah. And out there, uh, in the glove box, there was two uh, cassette tapes, and yes. one was the Spice Girls, <laughs> and the other was Alanis Morissette's Dragon Little Pill. Uh-huh. And as much as I, like, loved the Spice Girls, I had this, like, understanding that when I was floating out in the boat alone, I needed to listen to Jagged Little Pill. I was probably, like, seven. Uh-huh. Like, seven-year-old me was listening to Jagged Little Pill and feeling every emotion I did not understand from this. But I knew it was kind of, like, mystical, and I was, like, talking about feelings that I didn't know what they were, but I, there was so much emotion behind it, and I was, like, in it. Yeah. And it told a story in a way that, like, spice up your life. Um, did did really? not tell me anything. <laughs> Although it did tell me to spice up my life. Yeah, and we and we do, and we have a spicy life. Oh yeah, I just painted my walls a spicy color. I love this color. Yeah, it's like a terracotta cinnamon. It's called Egyptian clay. Ah, uh, of course, of course. <laughs> it's very that. Thank you, Benjamin Moore. <laughs> I love it. Um, what was your similar yeah. sort of? So um, everyone has a cool aunt. Uh, I have a cool aunt. And um, I was raised, like, sort of religious, and not by sort of, I mean a lot religious. Um, but my cool aunt, like, would would uh, sneak me, like, the goods. Culture. Culture. She, so She would let you know what the world was What doing. was happening outside, outside of... Outside of VeggieTales. Right. VeggieTales, outside of the church basement. Like, she let me know what was up. So I also think she kind of maybe knew that I was, like, a little bit fancy. <laughs> He's a little bit fancy. He's a little fancy. He's a little particular. Yeah, for a nine-year-old, he's fancy. Um, so my aunt, who's also uh, a big Broadway musical fan, I think she went multiple times a year to the Broadway. Unfortunately, her favorite musical is Cats. I won't we hold won't it against her. her it is what it is. But anyway, so my Cats aunt really did something to people. Cats changed lives in '84 or whenever it came out. <laughs> Was it the first time that the fourth wall was broken? But I have something. It was? it was like the first time spandex was used on stage. People's minds blew. I don't know. So <laughs> so my aunt, um, I, I got a CD player for my birthday when I was nine. And um, up until then, it was all about cassettes. Of course. And I got two CDs. Can you guess? Obviously, one of them was Jiggy Little Pill. What's the other one? Much Dance 95. Green Day Dookie. Oh, wow. Culture shock yeah yeah that's a lot it's a lot this is your like like culture thrown over the berlin wall yes it was like (laughs) 
and a one, and a two, and a whoop. <laughs> yeah. So, of the two, though, of the two discs, Jiggy Little Pill stayed in rotation. It's still in rotation. I still have the CD. Well, yeah. Like, I listened to it today. Yeah. I, I listened to the cast album, which we'll get into, is fire. incredible, but I have questions. Yeah. And but then I immediately put on the vinyl because I was like, I need more. I need the I need the I, and it took me immediately back yeah. to my seven year old self floating in that boat, yeah. chewing the very hot hubba bubba that was in the box. <laughs> it kind of melted by the sun, mm-hmm. so it was kind of pre chewed. Yeah, living the life, honestly. And I think like a part of like little nine year old Brian, who maybe like you was too young to fully grasp what was going on. I still think, like, I related to what Elena's Morissette was going to in the way that I related to, like, Judy Garland and Cabaret, Liza Minnelli's character in Cabaret. Like, it's, they're, like, for whatever reason, gay people are very drawn to these, like, tragic heroine women. Like, Jessica Lange smoking a shaky of cigarette. Course. She's our queen. We talk about her at least once a day. Once every single day. Actually, we should have a Jessica Lange podcast. <laughs> Every, we do everything honestly not a bad idea not a bad idea we go through the Jessica Lang canon we just go through it yeah with her lounging but, with Lang yes <laughs> so that was my experience and honestly like that record has never even like it's not even like a come and go it's, it's like a always and forever it's an always and forever for me so if it's the if, like we both had religious experiences listening to this so our like I haven't seen this musical. You saw the musical. Yeah. We, uh, my expectations are very high. Mine were too. And I had a full treatment of what this should maybe be in my head. Yes, same. And I told you this like this morning when we were going to do this podcast, I was like, think of, like, you got to walk me through what you thought. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were listening to this and you were going to turn it into a musical, wh- what would your treatment be? So I'm Give me always, the pitch. my brain is always working at that level. Oh, like, I'm thinking about musicals. All I the time. Want to this turn afternoon I was everything. listening to a cryptid podcast and I was like, why isn't there a Bigfoot musical? Bigfoot Bigfoot as a romantic lead in a musical needs to happen. Well, they did King Kong and it was not okay. a success. Okay. Do not come for King Kong. Okay. Did I see it three times? You did. Yes. Yeah. Did yeah. I love it every time? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Will there ever be a cast recording? Absolutely not. <laughs> was it bad? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did I wait 10 years to see it? I sure did. Um, but well, that's a story for another day. That, which we definitely need to talk about King Kong. We both saw it King fits. Kong. It, it does fit. Uh, but for me, like I, I've been thinking about what the musical Jiggy Little Pill was for over 20 years. Like From the first go, my little theater brain that only knew Phantom of the Opera was like trying to turn this thing into a story, into a musical. I wanted to do it with my friends on a stage and sing these songs. Yeah. So, uh, I spoiler alert, I was v- epically disappointed and let down by what I saw on Broadway. We'll get into it later. And you came back and told me this, and it rocked me. Yeah, I was pretty... I took it real personal. Yeah. I was really upset. And I went, actually, to the show with um, a co-worker named Lisa, who's lovely, and I think it was one of her first Broadway shows, if not her first. And I think she was dazzled by the Broadway of it. So she had a great time, and I, I love that. But for me, like, consumable. I, it was very, it's very that. It's very consumable. It's, f- I know who the audience is for this. It's not those of us in 1995 that own the album. We're not the audience for Which this. Which I think is kind of maybe the most unfortunate news. Mm-hmm. 
Because I think that that's who was waiting for this musical for so long. Like I we were following so it in development. I kind of always knew, I knew it was on the back burner. I yeah. knew it was coming. Yeah. And then for it to not be for me, mm-hmm. I, that's what I was very let down by. That. But then I'm like, is the is the album for me? It's for me. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it is for sure. <laughs> I had to. I questioned it, and then I listened to it today. I was like, no, it's for me. This so, is for me. What? And the cast album is for me. Oh, like, the cast album again. If I could own the cast album on vinyl, I would own I it on vinyl. It. It's yeah. stunning. The arrangements, Gor- gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. And, and I was saying, I was sing- automatically singing along. Yeah. You can just pick a harmony. And you're in if the you cast. know the song, you pick harmony, and you're in the cast. You're in the show. I'm in the show. I'm and like, is this my character? You know What's the choreography character? too. It's a lot of aggressive standing. It is aggressive shoulders. Yeah, and leaning forward. Oh yeah, and you are making the audience feel your shoulder passion. Yeah, that's most of it. I love acting with my upper body. Yeah, only that's it, and that's all you need. Yeah. to show the passion, <laughs> to show the angst. So what I thought this was going yes. to be. I thought this was going to be about a woman, probably in the 90s, because I, I figured 90s is very much and in the, vogue I don't again. Think, and I don't think it's explored in many musicals other than, like, Rent? Rent. But that, that musical is not about 90s. It was just, it was in the, in 90s, the 90s and stayed there. Yeah. This, I think, like, we, we could have had a moment where it was a 90s flashback. Right, yeah. like they're like we're we're moms now. We're moms age now. Right, like if you were a teen in 1995, you ha- probably have a teen now. Yeah, this is a Gen X, like a Gen X musical. Even though we're not, we were right. Not it could Gen be X. that, and I think there was a really clever way to make it a Gen X slash Gen Z. Right, flashback moment. Sure, um, it's not that. What I wanted was a woman to like. Uh, find find her way and 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 make it like right. that's what i thought it was going to be it's just like going to be hurt by a man she was going to say f you to that man she was going to make it and she was going to learn a lesson and we were all going to celebrate with her fanny bryce style at the end and like that's that's what and that's show, not what and is. that's not at all what this is <laughs> So my, like, I was trying to think, because I asked you the question this morning, and I was like, okay, what, am I, what is my response going to be? And I think what I would like to see, because the album is so narrative in nature, mm-hmm. like, it has, it tells its own story already, I question whether it needs a complete through line. That could, could it be abstract? Could it be yeah. scenes of the same person living seven different lives? Yeah, like like if then, like an if then moment, honestly, like mm-hmm. a, or like a last five years if then, like where does where does one person or one person's existence doesn't even need to be a woman? It could be like the same story starts and then seven different things happen. So, but they I think do that might be kind what this of is. do that. <laughs> uh, they go off the rail a little bit with that idea. I just don't think it needs to be... What I fear is that they try and wrap everything up for the finale. Uh-huh. And I don't think an abstract, like, if-then, what-if style, sliding doors musical, yeah. that this could be, like, you don't need a conclusion. Like, it could be abstract like in nature. Like a song cycle type of Like a, a piece of art thing. style. Yeah. But then that's not... For the general public, no. which then doesn't go direct to, like, I mean, this was maybe in one city and then to Broadway. Yes. Like, it literally yeah. was a Broadway bound from day one from versus day one. if this was experimental and mm-hmm. 
off-Broadway and developed in a playwright circle type of moment or circle in the square style thing. Like, that, like, abstract Oklahoma. Which we... I'm still thinking about. I still think about every single day. And did I come out... Like, we always talk about it. We literally always talk about it. Yeah. It is... Yeah, I, I... was hoping that this would be thought-provoking and it doesn't sound like it leaves you with anything to question. It wants to be thought-provoking so so bad that it's begging the audience to be like, please be provoked. But if you're making something like that and it takes a few years to get there, by the time it gets there, is it really thought-provoking at all? It was so boring. It was so boring. I'm so sad. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get we'll get <laughs> okay. to it. So that was what yeah, I just think like I would have loved to have seen a woman in the nineties and then like maybe her daughter in the nows. See, that's and, what I get from the album. Yeah. I think it's like a mother daughter. So my experience, let me like Yeah, yeah. go for it. So what I think might happen is either there is a mother and a therapist, or the therapist is a mother. And she is having a hard time because she's realizing, oh my god, I'm a mother. Like, I, like, I, is this the life I've always had? Is this the life I wanted? And her daughter is also going to school because there's a bell ring in one of the songs. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, oh shit, the bell. So I know that there's a high school age person in this who is also kind of discovering where she sits on the spectrum of her sexuality. Maybe. Uh-huh. And there's a boy she likes. And there's a girl or a non-binary person that she likes. And that's kind of a love triangle uh-huh. that happens in the high school narrative. And in the other narrative, I think her husband... I think the woman's name Mary Jane. Uh-huh. Womp. Womp. <laughs> Just because I got it when there was a man singing the song Mary Jane. I was like, oh, yep. so this is the name of the main womp, character. Womp. Yep. <laughs> because, uh, yeah. That. So I think she might be kind of going off the next to normal deep end. Uh-huh. Exactly, exactly that. And then she realizes that, no, like, the other options are not great. So she'll stay with this option. And she'll love her non-binary loving daughter. And her husband's fine, but he's boring. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. You're really close. <laughs> You're really close. You gotta jam in a lot more hot issues. Okay, I thought there was more things because I was like, there's not, like, there's more songs that don't fit with that narrative. Yeah. But I figured that that was the main story arc. Mm -hmm. And then, like, um, yeah, like, I'm excited to hear what the other hot button issues were. I think that they sat in a boardroom and they were, they said, what are the hot what are the hot topics the kids are talking about today? What are the hot issues of our day? Do you think they had like a bulletin board uh-huh. where they were... <laughs> and sticky notes sticky and they notes? each wrote a hot they each wrote a hot topic, a hot mm. issue of the day and they stuck hot it on the board. Takes. And then the book writer got to typing and she tried to include as many of the post-it note hot issues of the day in her script. Right. So if I'm guessing there is like sex and gender. Uh-huh. There might be pol- politics. Um, no, little bit environmental. No, Not that I remember. No. What are the other issues? Drug abuse. Uh huh. Prescription drug yep. abuse. Okay. Um, oh, I had an inkling that one of the songs was about um, sexual assault in some sort of way. Yes. Yep. And I was like, that's really a, a big left turn that I don't so, know. 
if the musical could have been just about that. That would be fine. That would be fine because that is a huge That's issue. That's a huge topic. And we don't talk about it, especially on Broadway very much. Of course, yeah. Um, and if it does happen, it happens off stage and it happens towards the end of the musical and like... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like West Side Story, we saw the, the yeah, latest revival get... and they, the, it's pretty it's graphic. Hand- but it's handled quite well. Very well. But yes. We could have used that maybe for this. Honestly, yeah, the music lends itself to a story about survivors of sexual assault. Of course, assault. and like coming out of like the Me Too movement when this Perf- would have been written. Yeah, that makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so anyway, it is a part <laughs> of the story. For me, I, I you know, I'm, I'm a, a white man, so I'm coming from this from a different perspective. Oh, I'm also a white man. Yeah, so like maybe I'm wrong, but I was like, when, when that storyline came about... I was thinking, why did we not give this its due justice? It also would be kind of cool, like cool, that's a weird word to say. It would be interesting if the story wasn't going in that way until that happens, and then the whole story derails. That That would be super interesting. Yeah, exactly. Because that would just kind of reflect that impact on someone's life, being a survivor of sexual assault, and how they then perceive the world around them completely differently after, um, would be an interesting way to treat a story so there's all these issues and then it goes completely mm-hmm. to that let's focus here like this is life changing yeah we've now the, the the story is more direct yeah but yeah okay tell me so let's go into tell it. me everything uh, here we go here's the tea do you have wine I, i'm out of wine let me get you some wine start the tea here's the tea so let's start let's start talking about jiggy little pill the album that defined matt and i's childhood and our generation and the 90s so jiggy little pill is the third studio album by canadian superstar alanis morissette it came out in 1995 icon legend icon star. legend star uh, it was her first album to re- be released worldwide, and it marked a stylistic departure because she used to be more like dance pop in her first two, and this is more like an alternative rock album, and it's influenced mostly by like uh, post-grunge and uh, nouveau pop rock. Love it. Yeah, me too. Um, Jacob Little Pill obviously was a commercial success, topping the charts in 13 countries with sales of over 33 million copies worldwide. It is still one of the best-selling albums. I'm also going to say genre-defining. All time. Absolutely. She created that weird yodel that all those other 90s girls started to do. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for nine Grammy Awards, winning five, including Album of the Year, making 21-year-old Alanis Morissette at the time, the youngest artist to win that honor, and she still holds that title today. What a Canadian queen. What a queen. Last year, Rolling Stone named it number 69 in the list of the 500. Ayo! Ayo! <laughs> the sexiest number. <laughs> She's number 69 on the uh, 2020 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Wow. Right? I mean... It is pretty spectacular. It is insane how good. And to think all because Uncle Jesse... Uncle Jesse broke her heart. Broke her heart. Oh, no, Uncle Dave... Uh, no, uh, not Uncle Jesse. The other, the other oh, uncle. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Dave Coulier. Yeah, but what... Isn't cut it Jesse? It, oh. Yeah, cut it out. That uncle. <laughs> no, uncle mean, Jesse's the hot uncle. That's... Uh, oh, yeah. What's, he's not even related. I think he's just a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the dude that lives in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> just the renter. <laughs> 
I mean, they do live in San Francisco. I mean, you need to renters to pay the rent <laughs> on your giant house. Yeah, as a single and it's dad. One of, isn't it one of the painted ladies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very expensive. You need industry. all of those people. Everyone to be needs to live in, in that house. Yeah, <laughs> both Olsen twins. <laughs> so, in November of 2013, Alanis Morissette announced that she was working on a musical adaptation of the album "Jagged Little Pill," and all the gays danced in the street. Yeah. The musical was also to be titled Jacob Little Pill and uh, will feature all of the songs from the album as well as other material from her catalog and new songs written specifically for the production. Tom Kitt is attached to reorchestrate the songs and, uh, and write new arrangements for the production. Tom Kitt, we know and love Tom Kitt, he wrote Next to Normal. Sounds like it. Yes. He also if, it, or- if it sounds like a duck, if it walks like a duck, it's a duck. It's a duck. <laughs> He also orchestrated American Idiot for Broadway. Okay, did not love, but the soundtrack can hear to that it as though well. he crushes it. Like he knows his thing. I and I the re- like I mentioned already the orchestrations on this are incredible, yeah. like stunning. Mm-hmm. I do have one issue, and I mentioned this before, and I forgot to mention this before. In ironic, I know I hate. That recording on the cast album. I hate it so much. I know. It's so apologetic for itself. And that song does not need to apologize. We know it's grammatically incorrect. That's not what ironic is. That's not the point. The point of the song isn't to be correct. It's a fun song. Let us have it. It was her like number one. Like that joke is the deadest joke in the history of comedy. To be like, you know that song's not ironic. It's like, Welcome to Jacob Little Pill. Like that's what the like that's what this is. The tiredest of jokes. The tired like boring. Anyway. <laughs> so like I have it in my notes right here. I say he did an awesome job. He did an awesome job. He did an awesome job. The choice to include the dialogue on that track on the cast album. Not not the right choice. A good choice. So the musical will be produced by Vivek J. Tiwari and Avind Ethan David, who also produced American Idiot. News of the musical goes cold for five years. We don't hear. I do remember this because I I would all. It was a fun party like anecdote. I said there was, a, like Alanis Morissette's making a musical, and people would be like, "What?" And yeah. I'd like pull up the old article <laughs> from twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, like, here it is. So Just like my passion for King Kong, I followed that thing for ten years. <laughs> there's not even a workshop Ugh. in five years. Well, could have maybe done with one. So, oh boy. In 2017, the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts, finally announces that they would host the world premiere of Jagged Little Pill, and it will be a part of their 2018 season, and it's going to be directed by the ART artistic director, Diane Paulus. Does that name mean anything to you? It sounds so familiar. We know Paulus from her Tony Award-winning direction of the revival of Pippin, that we both Love incredible! It was so good. I went on a midnight bus immediately back to see so, it again. Yeah, I got it on a. I got a ticket on a whim. I was there with my whole family. I got a ticket on a whim. They couldn't get tickets. There was only one ticket left, and my mom bought me. Nancy got me the middle balcony ticket that was nice. available, and they all went. I don't know what they did. I think they just <laughs> went to Dean and Deluca. I don't know what they did. R.I.P. Dean and Deluca. Yeah, and I sat there with my jaw on the floor. Yeah. Literal, wild to it's, see something like that, and 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 honestly, like Hades Town maybe took took it away, but for years that I, like another musical hasn't topped that experience for me. 
choice the choices that were made, every choice was correct. Yeah. Similar to Hades Town. Every yeah. single choice in that is pretty correct. Very correct. Yeah. Dead on. Uh, so she a little bit more about about Paulus. Uh, she also directed Waitress. Okay, which is a, a hit. She's you coming hate it. back. I love it. I think I just saw a bad production. Well, I, I saw I Sarah Bareilles in the titular role. I'm going to go back the, as I, Waitress. I saw her as Waitress. She was Waitress. <laughs> I saw Ms. Waitress. <laughs> Ms. Waitress, <laughs> uh, and she was incredible. Obviously, she like wrote it. Of so course, it's for her voice. I want to like. I think I need to go back and see it well, again. She's, she's back in it now. Yeah, I need to go back. So. I need to see it again because I I saw a bad cast and we speaking of left. New York, now you need a vaccine proof of vaccine to attend. Good, love that. Good. More cities need to do that. Yeah. Not to get political. But Covidical. Everybody, it is our business. We want to be safe. We I want to keep our know parents who safe. I'm sitting next to. Let's get vaccinated, everybody. I would run back to Broadway if I knew that everyone in that audience was double that. Mm-hmm. Double those. <laughs> um, she, so anyway, yeah, waitress. So that's <laughs> Sorry a Sorry to derail. <laughs> no, it's fine. We had to say it. She also did the revival of hair, which I loved. You did not love. I had a fun time. I like. I, liked I just don't like hair. Fine. She also it's directed... A, it's a Tommy for me. Uh, the Audra version of Porgy and Bess. Okay. And she also directed Finding Neverland. Did you see Finding Neverland? I never did. It was stunning. I feel like it would be spectacular. Why it wasn't a hit blows well, my the mind. the movie was also not as popular as I think it should have been. Like, that, that movie, movie... I cannot watch that movie because I know I will cry from the beginning. I sob at the trailer I for that movie. I cry at a lot of things. <laughs> Um, okay, so this is Tangent City. It's all gold because um, it's distracting from the fact that we have to talk about this stupid musical. So Diablo Cody wrote the book for the musical, and unfortunately, this is where literally all of the problems lie. She That's wrote so interesting to me because I really like the way she captures like dialogue. Yes, Juno. Awesome. Yeah. That script, she won, obviously, the Oscar for it. What's what? That? A United States of Tara. Incredible. Incredible. Um, she's written some really remarkable, very fresh, very cool, current... And that feels like the right pairing. Yes. Alanis Morissette and Diablo Cody. Yes. That is, like, perfection. And Diane up in here doing Diane. her magic to do. Yeah, what 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 went wrong? Went wrong. Beyonce's choreographer, CD Larby uh Chikawi, joins the project as choreographer. And I'm startled that he was hired by Beyonce because the choreography was one of the other things I thoroughly hated. I wonder though, like, did we need a choreographer or did we need like a movement coach? Well, it had a movement coach. That's all, that's what it was. <laughs> Like I said, the dancing was a lot of shoulders and stomping. Right. It's a very come from away. But not even as good. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, a no. little while after they announced the world premiere, Adina Menzel is attached to play the lead Mary Jane. Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim herself. And the lead character's name is Mary Jane. And I rolled my eyes so hard I got a migraine. Come it's a, on. It's a bit... On the nose. Direct. Yeah. I would say that that song could also be used better. It's so literal. It's bore like it's boring. Uh, they just took it to be like a, a scene of dialogue. It's so dumb. Right. It's the scene where he tells her to stop doing pills. Yes. He's, he asks his scene? wife Mary Jane 
do you still love me? Will you stop doing pills? Is that what happens That's in what that happens. scene? Yeah. yeah, I hear it. Uh, but okay, so unfortunately, Adina Menzel, Adele Dazim, does not uh, appear. Uh, art confirms she will not appear in their production. She's just doing it for the initial okay, reading. Okay, that's fun. Totally fine. So in 2018, the cast is announced. Elizabeth Stanley, who we know from uh, Cry Baby. Okay. As the girl. Um, she was also in company, um, not the original production, but the Raoul. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aspir- yeah. His production. And uh, Regulation Hottie Derek, Derek Kleena, who we know from Wicked. He's hot, hot, hot. Um, <laughs> Lauren Patton, who is from Fun Home. Um, oh. Will- <laughs> and newbie Celia Gooding, who is OG T-Moon LaShanza's daughter, will be in it. Oh. Yeah. I love that. Any mention, any mention of Once on this Island. <laughs> He's clutching his pearls literally right now. <laughs> Makes my heart, like, <laughs> hurt. <laughs> And uh, anyway, so JLP, in my notes, I have this JLP, uh, made its world premiere on May 24, 2018, at the American Repertory Theater. The reviews for the premiere were generally pretty positive. It had a completely sold out run and included added performances. It closed July 18th. Fun. Yeah. So it ran for two and a half months. Sold out. On January 28th, 2019, uh, on Playable.com, it was announced that the production will premiere in the fall of that year on Broadway. And in May, the cast was announced. Obviously, it was all of the people from the premiere cast. They were all right. just swoop, swoop, sweep on, swooping on back. Ahead of the opening, Alanis performed the entire album live on the Apollo stage for one night. Just to celebrate the long Why road. weren't we there? I, why did I didn't even know? Didn't even know this happened. No. I'm pissed. I Me don't too. know. I'm pissed I was not there. And this concert was in celebration um, and to look back on the long road to Broadway. Because, like I was telling Matt earlier, she was very involved this whole time. So, Jagged Little Pill officially began began performances on Broadway on November 3rd at the Broadhurst Theater and opened officially December 5th. And I saw it on December 17th, my birthday. Wow. Yeah. Happy birthday. Well, <laughs> had a really good dinner before. So, I watched Where did you go it. you to dinner, ABC Kitchen? No, we went somewhere near the theater, somewhere in Midtown. And I got the biggest... Casanona? That's the only place to eat. No, I got the biggest plate of chicken parm I've ever consumed. Where would that have been? Olive Garden? No. Something like that. No. I'll look it up. I'll let you know. Um, (laughs) It was somewhere really accessible, something not very fancy. It was near the theater. Of course. Um, That's why the only good good place to go and then run with a pasta belly to a show is Casanona's. (laughs) Because it's off, like no one knows where it is. I love Casanona. Yeah, it's kind of it's not in. It's Times all businessmen. It's businessmen. Yeah, and then you. And if you <laughs> tell them you're going to the theater, they make it quick, quick, quick. Yeah, pasta, dessert, wine, wine, wine. Get out. Get out. So I saw it, and I remember um, I was sitting in front of or right behind Helen Hunt. What a what a birthday surprise! <laughs> a surprise for me. I'm a huge Helen Hunt fan. As good as it gets is a great film. It's okay. I love it. So I took a dr- drug, dragged, dragged my coworker drug. Lisa with me. She had never seen a Broadway, and so this was her first Broadway. And I was honored that I would be there. With I her. love taking someone to me their too. first Broadway. And she had a great. I took time. Dana Pizza Pizza to see Phantom of the Opera. Did she ball? Bald. I also took her to Disney Disneyland, so I'm I'm afraid that now I've had I've taken her on two great dates, and she'll never have a date as good as either it's of those experiences. Never gonna live up. 
So, so Lisa at intermission turns to me and she says, do you love it? And I said, this is, yes! the, I said, no, I was very honest. I started laughing and I said, this is the worst pilot shit I've ever seen. And all of the tweens sitting around me turned and I felt a chill. Oh, they didn't laugh with you? Oh no. They liked it? Loved it. Okay. Well, I was like, listen, child. <laughs> You weren't even alive when I was bopping to this album in my bedroom, miss. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Um, but I will say that Act 2 made up for it. So okay. I, didn't, I didn't leave as livid as I was at the break. The reviews do not know what to do with this show. Right. They All the reviews hang around a 6 out of 10. Okay. Because there's so much good... And there's, but there's also like, it's just so muddled. And of right. course, the reviewers are also old people, right? So I think they so too feels were relevant. Like, I don't. They, I think they were confused writing the reviews about. They, I think they knew like this isn't for me, right? I'm. I can't write a review of this because I don't know where this sits. Also, if we go back to last week's episode of Head Over Heels, I think that that review that was like redacted yeah because there was a response <laughs> yeah i don't know if reviewers now f- review differently because there is a call and response to a review oh, versus yeah. um in the past like it would be a letter to the editor that was published four weeks later right. like yeah no there's an immediate response there's an now. immediate response now to a review which i don't i'm not there should I'm neither be here nor there there should be it I should like be it. a dialogue yeah but um yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that maybe now reviews are getting a little bit newer. good, and that's what should <laughs> like offer an opinion, or don't, or just give us the facts. Yeah, and, and maybe also reviewers becoming personalities. Like, yeah, if I if I appreciate your view on a musical, I will like, I will follow your reviews. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to follow you now because you're the reviewer for the New York Times. Right. They all praise the cast, and I do too. They work very hard, and they're such good singers. These are some of the best singers on Broadway. Evident on the album. Oh my good god! Go see it if you just if you can get like a, if you can get a deal. The go, eighteen dollar ticket. If you can get the eighteen dollar balcony ticket, go because to listen to them sing this live is actually like you get goosebumps. They sing it. I get goosebumps listening to the cast so recording well. on Spotify. Yeah, it's incredible. The direction is also not bad. I'm very curious to know what things looked like because I cannot picture it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like there would be a set. There's for this. not. It's very, very minimal with a few set pieces is that come in. Is there a projection wall? I would hate that. There thing. is a um, projection wall. If you're going to, if it's a sit and, if it's a sit and sing, yeah. if you're just going to plant your body and shoulder act and sing, I need a little bit of something. Yeah, there's not much. Give me a practical. Like, what happened to real sets? Where did they Give go? Give me a Noel Coward set. I want Give the me full like thing. A noises off. Lots of doors. Lots of things to go in. I and want out of. the Anything Goes revival. That's a just a full on ship. Yes, <laughs> floating on the Hudson. Floating. <laughs> so uh, they also praise the orchestrations because they're perfect. Obviously. The problem the reviewers have is always the subject matter and the book. Diablo Cody. Matt Wyndham from the a- AMNY says. Even if Diablo's script feels overstuffed, a few uncomfortable sequences could probably be cut. And also derivative. 
especially of the 2009 Pulitzer winning musical Next to Normal. It is character sensitive and willing to delve into difficult and timely cultural issues such as opioid addiction, the Me Too movement, racial and gender identity, and victim shaming. Um, It does contain a lot of humor, such as when the English class debates the lyrics of Ironic. Um, So that pretty much... (laughs) sums it up for me i hate that yeah i hate that that's even mentioned i hate that so much it was so eye-rolly cringy and no one laughed everybody laughed the tweens that had never heard this music before in their whole lives or knew it because their moms listened to it as like a golden oldie they laughed because maybe they hadn't heard the joke before but us old queens had heard that joke all our lives it was boring so this is where it gets fun the title of the Broadway Journal article states, Unironic Jagged Little Pill Aims to Save the Planet. I mean, yikes. Because <laughs> that's what it felt like. It was like, how many hard-hitting issues can we wrap up right. in two hours? The Hollywood, Hollywood Review says, The aggressive bid for nowness is both a blessing and a burden in this overwrought, overstuffed, but ultimately affecting show. Wearing its woke sensibility on its sleeve with no hint of cynical calculation, but instead with a sincerity that sometimes borders on cringy, the musical addresses a whole curriculum of hot-button bullet points. Climate change, opiate addiction... Hey, I did say Oh, you did, yeah. <laughs> Gender and racial identity, white privilege, rape culture, social media shaming, and repressed sexual trauma. This is just for starters. Much of the show is oh, a no. heavy-handed downer. It's a glut of anxieties becoming suffocating. Well, that's positive. There you go. The music we both said we still listen to. The music yeah. is universal. Yeah. The the book sounds like it's a bit specific. To right now. Ideally, we get over these issues or through these issues or have different viewpoints on these issues in the near future. Yeah. Because the point of that would be that there is some change that happens. Well, the- And once that change happens, does this then become a like, museum piece musical Maybe. about the time? Like... Of 2020? Yeah. I cannot wait for the, can't wait for the lockdown musical. Oh boy. No, I'm not going to that. <laughs> um, but the fun, like the taglines are usually it's like, um, anything goes to the musical. Uh, or if it's a new musical, it'll be Spring Awakening, a new musical. For this one, they gave it the, the subtitle, Our New Musical. And when I saw that, my stomach turned Vomited. and I puked on the sidewalk. <laughs> What the hell? You threw up your fettuccine parmesan. I did. Or all chicken, of that. Chicken parm. All on the side. Or whatever. Our new musical? Come on. Ugh, Come on. I mean, I, the, I can see the marketing team. So cringy. Just narrowing in on that. Ugh. Going, this is, this is it. it. This is it, guys. And they all tr- cried. You know, we got it. Um, so, the New York Times? Loved it. Loved it. I hate that. It. I hate they that. They loved it. The title of the article is, With Jagged Little Pill, the f- They Finally Fixed the Jukebox. Oh, wow. Uh, did you see Mamma Mia? <laughs> did it need fixing? Did, it, did you see We Will Rock You? Does it need fixing? <laughs> I don't think it does. Uh, but they are, so they do love it, but they are dicks about it because they have to be. Of course. Here's what they say. Get this. The great news for Jagged Little Pill and for us is that its creative team, led by the director Diane Paulus, did more than just fiddle with a show that, though blurry, was already entertaining. The overhauled version that opened on Thursday at the Broadhurst Theatre is fully in focus, clear in its priorities, rich in character, sincere without syrup, rousing and real. 
it easily clears the low bar of jukebox success to stand alongside dark original musicals that have been sustaining the best hopes of Broadway in recent years. Like, what a way, what a backhanded uh, compliment. Yeah, that is, that is really, <laughs> that's mean. Here are a few other titles <laughs> of reviews. Jagged Little Pill, Hard to Swallow. I was waiting for that one. Jagged Little Pill, a musical with inks to spare. Okay. Overstuffed Pill is hard to swallow. Alanis' classic album becomes a Me Too angst fest. Oi, 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 oi. Yikes on bikes. That one is not good. No. Jagged Little Pill received 15 Tony Award nominations. Well, the most. It was up against Moulin Rouge. Just Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Only. And that. Was also. I cannot wait to hear about that. Both of these were on the on the list of we gotta see. No, still go. Actually, still go. Jagged Little Pill, like I said, is worth the money just well, for the also, sing. Yes, and I also wonder that now that we've gone through what we've all gone through, will there be like I know it was not it won Tonys or went the fifteen Tonys is a lot, but like I think things are getting edited now. Like I know things are getting edited now. I know that Book of Mormon's gonna look a little different when it opens back up. I wonder if Jagged Little Pill might look a little different when it opens back up. If it opens back maybe, up, maybe it's scheduled to reopen. So yeah, I wonder if so. Maybe, but um, so anyway, obviously in tell ev- me more. every category except for best performance by an actor because there is not a lead male role, right? So there's but there's a few in the like um, featured role for an okay. actor category but elizabeth stanley is nominated for best performance by an actress um best performance by a featured uh, uh best actor in a featured role Derek Klina, uh and sean allen krill who plays the husband uh best performance of an actress in a featured role for katherine gallagher celia rose gooding and laura Patton. all three cool of the lead girls uh best book best direction best choreography basically every category that they could have been up for as a new musical um, but obviously this is the COVID season. They were only up against Moulin Rouge. But it did win uh, the 2020 Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album. Very well deserved, like we of said. Of course. Stunning cast recording. Uh, when it closed due to COVID, it had played 109 performances. It's already grossed over $18 million, but I'm not sure what the spend was. That's a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it plays to an average capacity of 97%, which is great. really great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I think that's the like people know Jagged Little Pill. That's the that's the joy like that's the um, marketer's dream is a jukebox musical because yeah. there is familiarity with the with the material and then you're seeing the story so mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh, I know Alanis Morissette," or yeah. "Oh, I I'm nostalgic for this music." Yeah. So, similar to Mamma Mia, I think it's going to be it's it's a guaranteed money maker unless yeah. you really Unless you really muck it up. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, I didn't love it, but I will say, and I'll tell anybody that I talked to, that Lauren Patton, who plays Joe, um, who is the girlfriend of the main character's daughter. Right. She saves this show in every way, and I wish that the whole thing was just that about her. gives me chills. She deserves every award she gets like did she, she win the tony well they have they haven't done them yet oh right i hope that she does because she honestly deserves it i what a long wait you're nominated and then you wait like a year right two years <laughs> she sings you ought to know which we all know uh and if you don't know you ought to know she's yeah. in act two and she does she gets a standing ovation she stops the show 
Uh, and I'm not the only person who says that that's happened when they went. She deserves it. Well, you can see the performance as a slime tutorial on YouTube. Oh, okay. And it is incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. She slays it. She's already won a Drama Desk Award for her Deserved. Absolutely deserved. So that's Jacob Little Pill. I need to know what happens. So I'll try to make this brief. It's but I like I said, it's there's a lot. Right. It's a lot. So like we said before, Mary Jane is a mom. Is a mom. And she's writing her yearly family Christmas letter to all the other moms. Oh no, I hate that. Oh, I hate that so much. She writes That is to... so Midwest. Yep. That doesn't feel at all it correct. It opens with her on like a white sofa curled up with her notepad or with her laptop. I hate that. Like, ugh. Anyway. She's... But also, should I do that? Should I write yes, the Christmas newsletter for myself? look at your house. <laughs> yes, you should. I just think it'd be so funny and then have a picture of like me. Yeah. <laughs> Holding the pen. <laughs> yeah, like penning it. <laughs> With, like candles, yeah, candles, and you're like, like cashmere, yeah. candles and cashmere, <laughs> me. So she's writing her stupid Christmas, Christmas letter, letter, and she's telling her friends that her husband, about her husband's promotion, his name is Steve. Her daughter, whose name is Frankie. Great way to get a lot of context in four seconds. Yeah, her daughter is has like a stunning art career Cut. ahead of her. She's a beautiful artist. Her son Nick, who's a football star, he has an early admission to Harvard. And she does because admit football jocks are famously Harvard Harvard grads, grads Harvard bound. <laughs> yeah. She also writes that she was in a, a little car accident that she's healing with the help of like natural remedies, like Deterra. Nothing and, is natural about mm, her remedies. No. So, what she doesn't tell us, or what she tells us, but not her friends, is that uh, Steve is addicted to pornography. Gotta have, yeah, gotta have in, insert that in there. That seems. Frankie is um, a lesbian in love with her best friend, Joe. And she's also addicted to painkillers that she was prescribed from the accident. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they sing the song right through you. That's the the opening number. Right. Okay. I don't like this. So MJ, Mary Jane, MJ, pressures Nick to be perfect to keep up the family image. That's the son, the football star son. And he sings All I Really Want. Uh, and at school, Frankie and Joe discuss how their mothers don't understand or accept them. Frankie, because of her disapproval of her self-expression, and Joe's mom not accepting her for being gay uh, and her gender expression. And that's one hand in my pocket. So we're really Ooh. just writing this script. MJ tries to get drugs from the pharmacy, but she's out of refills because she's a junkie. Right. But she's like an upper-class woman. Yeah. So she goes through her day backwards in a very Hamilton moment where the scene goes backwards. I mean, that works for me in Hamilton. Like, it, it does. really does work for me in it Hamilton. It goes on for seven minutes for this one. I don't need a seven-minute rewind. No. And she gets her painkillers in an alley uh, from a drug dealer. And she sings the new song, Smiling, which was lost on me in the show because I was distracted by how horrible the scene was. When Alanis is... does it on her newest album. Oh, Okay. Have oh, not heard. boy, chills. Full body chills. On the last day of Frankie's English class before winter break, she reads a, stor- a short story she wrote in a workshop, and she gets her class to critique her. And this ironic. is that ironic scene. And so all the students, while she's singing the ironic song as her essay, the students are, like, interjecting with how it's not ironic. I hate ironic. This so much. It's so dumb. <sighs> a new student, Phoenix, who's, a, like, real cute, uh, swoops in and defends but Frankie. But also such... 
a 2020 name. Phoenix. Ugh. Yeah. He cute though. Anyway, so an, an, a, a romantic attraction begins between Frankie and Phoenix. So you called it. There's a love triangle here. It's a CW show. Yeah, it is. But it's also next to normal too. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back at home, MJ and Steve get into an argument. Steve wants to see a marriage counselor, but MJ refuses. And these things so unsexy. Nick, the son, comforts his mother after the fight, and she claims that Nick is the only thing that she's ever done right. And Nick sings the song Perfect because he's got to be That's a lot of pressure to, be to put on a child. It's too much pressure to put on poor Nick. Harvard bound the Nick. Harvard bound Nick. Poor, poor thing. Let me guess, he doesn't end up going to Harvard. Well, and he's like, I'm not going to Harvard, Mom. I'm, I'm an artist. An artist, too. Yeah. Yeah. So God. Frankie and Nick, uh, Frankie and Nick, the new bo- uh, the, the brother, yes. the brother and sister. Oh, I did forgot to mention, Frankie is played by a, a black actress because uh, it's a, she's adopted. So her Frankie, family. Frankie, the brother, is played by a black actress. Frankie's the is a is a the daughter. Oh, Frankie's the daughter. Yeah, she's okay. adopted and she's a black actress. This is um, Lashawn's daughter. Yes. Okay. And she's beautiful in the role, um, but they sort of like just offhandedly remarked that rather than well, just. I don't know what the point. Like, we also could have like we don't need that. We don't need the explanation. It's fine, right? It also so, sets in stone that that's what the casting needs to be forever. Which yeah, maybe just, it is. That's maybe like it's great. It should be. They but then copied it regardless of the line. But like, then the family the can only ever be played by white people now. Yeah, yeah. So whatever. Weird. Anyway, so Frankie and Nick go to the party. Where was it? So Joe doesn't attend the party because her mom forced her to go to a church function instead. And Joe's mom scolds Probably her... Probably watched VeggieTales. For not... Right. Like me. She didn't have her copy of Jacob Little Pill. She didn't yeah, have a cool aunt. She didn't aunt. have a cool aunt. So Joe's mom scolds her for not dressing like a girl. Um, and she sings that I would be good. So the next morning after the party, Joe shows Frankie pictures that are circulating throughout the school of Bella, who is uh, Nick, the brother's friend, passed out drunk. And she has her shirt pulled up. Uh, and students are making fun of Bella and calling her a slut. And she's introduced just to be sexually assaulted. Yes. She is sexually assaulted at the party. So the friends, um, I, uh, Frankie and Joe, go to Bella's house. And um, they don't really know her, but they go to like kind of comfort her and see how she's doing. Uh, and Bella tells her that Andrew, who is Nick's best friend, was the one who took the pictures at the party. Okay. So Frankie goes home and he, she wakes Nick up and says like, uh, why didn't you go to the police? You, you, you saw like what happened. You were at the party. You were with your friend. Why didn't you say anything? And Nick sort of brushes it off and says that Bella is just being dramatic and nothing happened. Not great. No, not great. This is not great. So let's check the boxes so far. We've got porn addiction, pill addiction, interracial family, lesbianism, um, gender identity, uh, me too. So we're, already, we're not even through act one yet. Yeah, um, online bullying. Online bullying. MJ overhears the conversation and insists that Nick should not come forward because it will ruin his reputation and may affect his acceptance to Harvard. See, if this is the if this is where the plot went, I'm in. I'm I'm honestly, this feels correct. Yeah, like if this family then is ripped apart by this thing that happened, this tragedy, and if they put the son unfortunately in the role of the the person that performed the sexual assault interesting yeah it's kind of like evan hansen like you don't know where to look and who to believe and who the hero is yeah anyway so mj blames bella for what happened 
since she chose to drink. Uh, but she is visibly upset by what has happened to Bella. I mean, I hate that. Yeah. Ugh. Well, anyway, so MJ walks to the church, and she hasn't been to church in a while. She used to be, we understand all of a sudden she used to be religious and a Catholic, and she goes to church to pray. She she prays about her marriage. She, she prays about her, her daughter. She reflects on her own memories when she was sexually assaulted in college. And that's the end of Act One. Oh, no. I, um... <sighs> I would definitely have a hard time with this. Like, watching this, mm-hmm. I, I don't know... I don't know if this is a... Like, it's... I don't want to not talk about these issues. I just don't know if we need this representation of these issues. I don't... I think that it's important to talk about it. I think it would make a great... Like, it would be... I just think it's done such a disservice by how muddled it is amongst all the other buzzwordy issues yeah it's so convoluted Um, i'm um i'm with you yeah wanting to not wanting to not like this at the end of act one yeah not that i need musicals to have trigger warnings but this is a pretty deep topic and subject to then wrap in a jagged little pill box right I don't know. I don't know how to even... Yeah. I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. So... Even though we've talked about it now for 45 minutes. Act two. Steve and MJ go to to a marriage counselor for their very first session, despite MJ's reluctance, and they sing Not the Doctor about not being the doctor they're waiting for. Boring. I rolled my eyes so hard. I don't What? That's not what the song's about. Anyway... Meanwhile, Frankie and Phoenix are hanging out in a playground, and they end up having sex, and they sing Head Over Feet. I love that song. It's so cute. And they sing it, it like, it's so but cute But I love that song. Too. That is, like, one of my favorite Jagged Little Pill songs. Same. So Joe enters the house where they are post-coital, sure. and she walks in on them, and uh, she sees them in bed together. Because in suburbia, no one locks a door. Nope. She walks on in, she sees it. And she gets, obviously she's upset and she storms out of, of Frankie's room and out of the house. The parents are also at the, at the house and they catch them in the act as well. And so Phoenix leaves quickly and leaves Frankie alone to deal with her parents. And the, uh, MJ and Steve reprimand her for having sex so young. And Frankie comes out to her parents as bisexual. So Frankie runs away to New York City as we do. And um, Frankie, the daughter, runs away to New York City. Yeah, runs away. So Frankie calls Phoenix because she's lost in New York. And she's like, can you please come pick me up? Um, Wait, she, who's Phoenix? Phoenix is the new boy okay. that she sexed yes, yes, in yes, her yes, room. yes, 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 yes. Phoenix doesn't say I love you back at the end of the call. And he says that I have to stay home and help my sister. And she's like, what? She gets angry and she feels like she was used for her body by Phoenix just to like get laid. Um, so later at the school, <laughs> so we cut to the back to the school. The students are all jibber-jabbering about Bella and about Andrew. And uh, Bella approaches Nick, and she confronts Nick. But when she goes to the house, the only person home is MJ, the mom. Nick's not home. And MJ tries to comfort Bella by telling her that she was also raped in college. And so she tell, she divulges this information to a kid that's not her own. Right, her this girl. And the girl's coming to confront the son to say like I need your help yeah she was gonna go to Nick to say listen can you please come forward can you back me up I know you know what happened when she gets to the house MJ's there instead and MJ starts talking to her about her experience and Bella um, asks MJ you know when does it start feeling better 
Um, like, when will I get over this? And MJ doesn't answer her, and Bella realizes that she may never, never. get better. She yeah. may never recover from it. MJ confronts her son, and Nick does tell MJ that, yes, he did walk in on Andrew, and he did nothing. <laughs> and Nick says he's going to go to the police. And MJ said, no, it'll ruin his life. It won't help Bella. Bella is I don't like stuck that. in this for her life. Don't ruin yours for her. No. And MJ slaps him because she, he insists on going to the police. The mom slaps her son because he, he wants, wants to do the to right, do the right thing. thing. Yeah. Okay. So. And she didn't put that in the Christmas card. So Joe shows up in New York because she's going to pick up. She hears that okay. Frankie's yep, in New York. Yep, yep, yep. So Joe shows up in, in New York to pick up um, And they just stay there because I would. Right, just stay there. <laughs> just get out. So she confronts Frankie about the affair, and Frankie said, I "Were they think, dating?" Well, she, Frankie says, "No, we were not exclusive." Right. Joe said, well, "High school." F, what the f? Yes, we were. And guess what? We sing now. What? Joe screams, "Yada no!" In the New York City streets, and she stops the show, and it's the best right. moment of the whole right, musical. Right, 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 right. Anyway, so Joe finally ends the relationship. She says, "I'm out of here." You ought to know. I'm here get to remind way, you. Get your get yourself back to yeah. You get yourself back to wherever they're New from. Haven or yeah. I don't know where. <laughs> um, I was so, trying to figure out the whitest naming, the whitest sounding town. <laughs> so here we go. It's about to get darker before it gets oh, brighter. How does this get worse? At home, after the confrontation with her favorite the son, slap. MJ overdoses on pills. No. Yep. Steve and Nick find her unconscious. I don't. And when Steve gets to the hospital, he's devastated that he didn't know that MJ had an addiction and promises her that he will be there for her. And they sing, she, he sings, what's the matter, Mary Jane? Are you happy? Literally, I, word for word, just I as... I hate this so, so much, much. Right? I hate this so much. I cannot explain how much I hate this. And hate feels, <laughs> like, correct. But it's also too little. Right. So I almost couldn't believe it. Like, I don't even think, like, next to normal doesn't even go that far. No! And it, it tells a concise story. But and that's the, the other one that's about something very dark and very hard-hitting and very important in the best possible way. Like, it won a Pulitzer Prize because yeah. it did such a good job. This is just a mess. Anyway, so they're at the hospital. MJ tells her son, go to the police, tell them what happened. And Nick says, I already did. Good. Good for him, right? As Olivia Rodrigo would say, good for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so there's a rally now. The students have organized a rally. Oh, no, Frankie specifically has organized a rally to get justice for Bella. Bella is also is obviously mad at Nick um, since people didn't believe her. Um, and, but they, they did. They start believing her once Nick has come forward. So she's like, there's a double standard. Nobody believed me. It took the, the high school yeah. to come forward. And now everyone is... Every CW show. Yeah. Everyone believes her now because he said something and stuff for her. Yeah. So we go to a year later. A year now has passed. Right? And MJ is writing her yearly Christmas letter again. And she writes about the progress being made in their relationship in their lives. MJ tells Frankie that she wanted her to feel like every other kid and not be treated differently because of her race. But Frankie tells her that she wouldn't have wanted to fit in with the people in her town anyway. And they sing the song, Thank You. So she writes this letter almost as a joke. And she's very honest about all the things that she's feeling for the people in the town. 
yeah. these privileged people. So she kind of calls the town out on their on their shit. Oh, fun. And Frankie, her daughter, says, you know what? You should just send, send this, this letter. as is. And she does. What she, character development. Right? Joe and Frankie rekindle their friendship. Joe has a new girlfriend. Frankie and Phoenix are just friends now. Um, Frankie and MJ, Bella and Nick, and Bella and MJ, they have they all appear to have mended. All the relationships are now mended. Right. So in this world, all everything is, well. is fine. The sexual assault victim is fine. Both of them. The mom's not over. Like she's done with the pills. Yeah. I. That's the end. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. And they sing like "Thank you." I and love the ending. The learn. arrangement there is amazing. Yeah. But, uh, not what I wanted from this. Mm-mm. Definitely too much. Yeah. Really disappointing to hear. Yeah. Right. I was disappointed. I was like, "This can't be it. This can't be the musical I've been waiting twenty five years for." I feel like that might have worked as in a different medium. Totally. Like, it's all valid stuff. It's all important stuff to talk about. But also, I think that much plot is needed for a miniseries or a movie. Yeah. <laughs> because we need to know the... Like, you get to see the internal and external lives of all these people. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I believe that this is Diablo Cody's first it book is. for a yes, musical. it is. As much as I feel like that totally fits. Yeah. Like... That pair up of Alanis and Diablo Cody. I'm um, I'm not looking forward to Diablo Cody's next venture on the stage. Yeah. Unless it's like a straight play. Because that could be interesting to me. Totally. But I don't know. Yeah. One of those topics. Two of those topics. Even the sexual assault topic would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't know if it should be wrapped up in a jukebox musical. Think that could might be one of standalone. It maybe needs its own um, specifically written songs just to make sure that they emotionally match and tonally make sense. And hey, we don't know Alanis's experience. No, she's never come forward and said. Maybe she disclosed. Maybe it is. hitting very close to Alanis. Sure. Song, like, sure. So maybe that informed... I don't know. I'm speculating now, but... Uh, yeah. You just don't know just... what inspired all of these things. Sure. Then maybe the... How specific... Everyone's specific thing was. Like, it's not, it seemed like everyone needed a thing. Yeah. Every character had a thing, and they all had a piece of, uh, like, an emotional journey to go on. Maybe maybe it didn't need to be so specific, or maybe yeah. everyone didn't need their own thing. But yeah. I don't know. Anyway, right. I'm left a little deflated. Yeah, yeah, by that because I love the cast album. I also wonder if they need like an Acadian poem. <laughs> Everything should be based on a 16th century poem. I think. I mean, take a wild swing, or the hours set to the music. Set to the music of Jagged Little, little Pill. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see that. That would be fun. Yes. Yeah. No, I can get behind that. Um, yeah. I guess that's the end of this podcast. Yeah. Matt, there's no small parts. Just small. I don't think anything about this was small. I think the swing was big. Was I think the characters were big. I think the story was big. I don't think there's anything small about this. I'm uh, small. Okay. No small parts. Just uh, small surprise that the New York Times liked a thing. <laughs> yes. There are no small parts, just small pills eaten in 
massive fistfuls. <laughs> I sure do miss the mountains. <laughs> I miss the mountains. I miss the mountains. Just put the pills in the trash. Just put the pills in the trash. All right. If you liked this, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. It helps boost the algorithm. We'll read five-star reviews on the podcast. Please, no less than five-star. Even if you hate this, give us five and say, meh. Be like the New York Times. Be like the New York Times. Give us a five-star anyway. Give us a five-star and a backhanded compliment, and we will... I would love... (laughs) Love I would love to read that live on... Live to tape. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, follow us. On the gram, no small parts pod. You'll get the like visuals to go along with the podcast. Uh, they're sometimes very funny. Um, I need a picture of you and your fettuccine chicken I'm parmesan. Absolutely certain I took one. I will put it <laughs> on the gram. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, folks. Bye. Bye.